You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, hooligans? Welcome back to another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast brought to you, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Steve Buchanan. Without Julian Edlow, that has not been the norm. It's been Julian Edlow solo for so many weeks this season because, A, I don't follow basketball enough to give you any advice, so I'm not going to sit there and pretend. And, B, sometimes I'm just busy, and that's just how it goes, you know? (laughs) So Julian has to carry the freight, which is something he doesn't often do. But I'm going to carry the freight today so i said i gotta bring on an all-star guest i gotta bring on an absolute stud so i wisely chose DraftKings contributor matt lamar gonna join the show of course look at this stud look at this guy and if you're listening do me a favor pause this go on youtube go on the DraftKings youtube channel get a load of this guy absolute stud my man thanks for joining the show yeah, of course. I was going to say happy to be here uh, since you clearly struck out looking for a stud. <laughs> I was happy to lend my services to the program. But uh, yeah, excited to, uh, to to come on and and just talk some sports. Talk some sports. Talk specifically about baseball. We're almost in the month of June already. So we almost have two months under our belt for MLB thus far. And I think it's kind of time we can start looking at some of these numbers and try to figure out if there's some trends. We're going to talk about some futures as well, because the, especially the MVP race starting to kind of tighten up a little bit in both leagues. It was wide open in the American league, but that has really come down to a two horse race thus far. Obviously a lot can change, but we'll kind of hit into that. We'll talk about the national league and then some of the trends that have been going on, but let's start with some of those trends and Matt, one of the big stories coming into the the season this year was that they were doctoring the baseballs. It was going to be, you know, a little bit lighter if balls were traveling. I think it was over 450 feet. It would, you know, travel a few feet less, which to me didn't feel like a big deal. Mm -hmm. Because if a ball is traveling 450 feet or whatever it was, like that ball's long gone anyways. So it really didn't matter. So like maybe StatCast data will be a little off. But at least from what the numbers are telling us, it seems to be potentially affecting some of the betting trends that are going on in the season. And one specifically I wanted to point out was the over-unders. Now, there's still a lot of baseball that has to be played. But as of today, when we record this on May 27th, the under is hitting more than the over in non-extra inning games. The under has hit 50.8% of the time, whereas the over has only hit 49.1%. Now, again, this is basically a coin flip here. But this has kind of stayed this way 
all season long. This isn't like a new trend or like, you know, over the past couple of weeks, we've been seeing a lot more unders. It's kind of been the trend all season long. So two part question here. Do you think that this continues one and two, do you think this is because of the baseball or is this more because pitching is at a premium right now and hitters are almost, you know, it's almost impossible to hit a baseball right now. I think it's more the baseball than anything else. I mean, we haven't seen a drastic change in the the pitchers versus the hitters compared to last year. Right. But, you know, last year there were 17 teams that averaged uh, at least 1.25 homers per game Yeah. this year. That number's down to eight. Wow. So big difference. Uh, I do think that the, the ball change matters quite a bit, um, but I do think we'll see some improvement in that department as the year progresses. Typically when the weather starts getting hotter, sure. the ball starts flying a bit more. So, uh, you know, numbers, scoring numbers are always a little bit down at the beginning of the season. And then they, they typically ramp up towards the end. I don't think we're going to get back to the numbers that we have seen, you know, last year and, and 2019 per se, but I do think there will still be, you know, more offense over the second half of the season than we've seen so far. Yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree with that, too. And, you know, you pointed out perfectly that especially in the beginning of the year, you know, scoring is down, weather is still, you know, less than ideal and whatnot. So those are definitely factors that I think contribute to it. But, you know, it feels like in some of these games, too, that like even for all books, like just the over-unders have just been so far off. And like the, just the other day, it was the Red Sox and the Braves had an over-under of 10 and a half. It was Charlie Morton going against – um might have been Nathan Avaldi, I think it was. I don't know off the top. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. It was Eduardo Rodriguez. And the over-under was at 10 and a half. It didn't even come close. Yeah. Not even close. Like, and believe me, that's going to happen from time and time again. But I feel like that's happened way more often than we're used to seeing this season thus far. And even at Coors Field, you and I have talked about Coors Field. You know, the over yeah, has might, not been hitting. There might need to be an adjustment. You know, like we saw this in the NFL a couple of years ago when they uh, really started like uh, tightening up on the pass interference calls, right? Like yeah. the, the books have these numbers that they historically are comfortable setting games at, you know, in the NFL for a long time, it was like, you never saw a total over 51 and 47 was kind of like the, the average number. So I think in baseball, we have these, you know, historical numbers that we kind of look at. And, you know, typically right. you see nine, nine and a half, ten uh, in some places. But if the scoring is really going to continue to stay down because of the baseball and, you know, like if you have guys gearing up with the launch angle and, tr- and trying to elevate the baseball, but it's not traveling as far, that's a problem. You know, like sure, uh, Chris Bryant, right? He, he made the whole thing about how he's not doing the launch angle anymore. He's hitting down on the ball now. And he's having the best season of his career. So right. I think the combination of everybody's trying to hit home runs with a ball that doesn't travel as far, that's really like it's it's a, a double barrel concern. So again, I do think the numbers heat up, but you're right. Maybe there does need to be a little bit of an adjustment uh, on the sports book side. Another thing I wanted to bring up too, um, looking at underdogs, is they've been absolutely crushing on the run line. They're hitting at almost 60% on the run line this so far this season. This is underdogs on the run line. 
I'm not big on playing the run line. I think it's just kind of, you know, it's definitely not my favorite bet. Like obviously when it comes to spreads, football is King. That's where everybody likes to take, you know, mm-hmm. spread bets, not so much in some of the other sports. Basketball probably has, um, you know, probably second if I had a guess, but like hockey, you know, baseball, really not a big factor. But when I see a number like that, that underdogs are hitting at a, a just under a 60% clip, then I'm like, okay, am I potentially missing out on some, on some value here or some, you know, some place to get profit? Because at least in my opinion, and feel free to disagree on this one, I think baseball is by far the hardest sport to bet on because the unpredictability is so massive in, in baseball. Like you look at football, like, you know, football is predictable in some sense. Like, I just feel like baseball is the hardest sport to exploit. So when I look at something like underdogs, doing as well as they are on the run line, then that kind of grabs my attention. Any thoughts on that? So I will agree that it's, it's a lot of variance in baseball betting, but I will disagree about it being the hardest sport just for this reason. If you are playing a lot of underdogs, which is typically how I like to bet baseball. Sure. You don't even need to be a 50% better to be profitable. Right. So like you said, the run line has been great this year for underdogs, but let's just look at the money line. So if you had, if you just blindly bet every underdog this season, you'd be 322 and 406. That's a 44% cover rate. Yeah. If you are a $100 better, you'd be up over two grand <laughs> with a sub 45% win rate because those money line odds are just so juicy. Right. And we see this with baseball all the time because you look like like you think you have a good team versus a bad team. You know, the the good team, if they're a hundred win team, they're only going to win about 60 percent of their games. Yep. If you're a bad team, if you're a 60 win team, you're still going to win 40 percent of your games. Right. So typically the favorites are overpriced. The underdogs are underpriced. And I really enjoy being able to not have to hit that, you know, 55, 56% win rate to be profitable. And baseball is a great sport to exploit that. Well, just like even look at tonight, for example, and like I said, we're recording this Thursday night. You have the Orioles at the White Sox. Now, this game is probably not going to play because I know there's a lot of rain concerns in this one. But the Orioles are plus 185 on the money line against a White Sox pitcher that has pretty much struggled for a lot of the season, has bad command in Dylan Cease. So it's not like the Orioles are like this offensive juggernaut or anything, but like, I look at that and I go, okay, do I really feel confident that Dylan Cease as a minus two twenty five favorite is going to beat the Orioles with the way he's pitched so far this season? Like probably not. Like, so at plus one eighty five for the Orioles, that feels somewhat enticing. And that kind of backs up what you were just saying. Right. And again, like it's tough to say like, we, we expect the Orioles to win because yeah, it's, it, you know, they probably will lose and that's reflected in the numbers. What we need them to do is win at a high enough clip to be profitable at the current number. So plus 195 odds, which is around what I'm seeing that translates to an implied probability of about 34%. Yep. So if you think that the Orioles have a better than 34% chance of winning this matchup, that would be a great number to get them at. Right. So like, that's, that's typically what I look at. You know, the, the sample size in baseball is your friend. You have 162 games times 30 teams. Like 
if you are taking enough of these flyers and you're you're hitting them at a high enough clip, you're going to be profitable at the end of the year. And there are seven, uh, excuse me, there are nine teams. Uh, sorry, eight teams that have gone over 50, have won over half their games as underdogs this season. Like the Red Sox, for example, as underdogs this year, 12 and six. The Tampa Bay good. Rays, 17 and 10. Like there have been some good underdog opportunities to take here. Like, and I look at the Red Sox. And like, obviously the, you know, the expectations coming into the season were, were dirt. Nobody gave this team a chance, <laughs> right? Because yeah. their, their lineup is fine. There's nothing wrong with their lineup, but the pitching was the issue. The pitching has been more than anyone expected. So getting them in the early season, that's where a lot of this underdog money came from and getting, you know, 66.7% winning percentage for them as underdogs. That's some profit you love to see. That's taking some good money right there. Yeah. And it should, I should point out that the lines get better as the year progresses. Like yeah. there was a, as much as we're talking about value with underdogs, like the first month of the season was just under underdog Palooza. It was <laughs> like you could have bet. Uh, I'm looking at now. If you had just bet every underdog heading up until May 5th. Yep. You'd be up over five grand. Stop it. You were a hundred dollar better. So, you know, like as, as the season progresses, the books get sharper with their numbers. We get a better idea of how good some of these teams are. Um, and it becomes a little bit more difficult, but again, you, you know, this is why baseball is great. You just want to stick with your sort of projections for each team. Yep. And if you are right, you're going to clean up in the long run. That's incredible. I mean, I mean, you and I are sitting there trying to flip, you know, pieces of cardboard for money. And all we had to do was just bet underdogs all in the <laughs> month of it. April. Easy That's game, all we had Steve. to do. Easy game. <laughs> Let's switch over to the DraftKings Sportsbook specifically, because there's a couple, um, there's a couple teams here I want to play. Who would you rather with? And these are, I'm going to give you two teams in different divisions that are close in the odds. And what team for the long term would you rather bet to win the division? Okay. So uh, two teams that I think are underperforming in their division are the Twins and the Angels. Now, I don't have to tell you that the Mariners are going to win the AL West. So this is probably <laughs> going to be a losing bet if you take the Angels. Got it. But looking at where they started off the beginning of the season to where they are now, which one do you think would be a better or, or um, more profitable one to take here? The Twins at 18-1 to 1 to win the AL Central. Or the Angels to win the AL West, which is going to lose, but I will take your opinion anyways, <laughs> at 20 to 1. Now, I think it's fair to say the Twins have been massive, a massive disappointment so far. Probably like, the biggest in baseball. The AL Central was expected to be a two-team race between the White Sox and the Twins. Uh, it has been anything but that. As we record this today, on Thursday, May 27th, the Twins are 20 and 29, only ahead of the Tigers in that AL Central. So that means the Royals are ahead of them, who have cooled off dramatically, by the way. The Indians are ahead of them, who I thought could actually be fourth in the division. I didn't expect them to be doing well. And then the White Sox sitting atop all pretty, even with that dope Tony La Russa at, at manager. <laughs> They're first in the division right now. And then quickly in the AL West, uh, Oakland is leading the division there 
followed closely by Houston, and then Seattle's right there at third at five and a half games back. Very close division there. So of those two teams, which one do you, would you feel more confident in? This one for me is pretty easy. Uh, I think it's the Twins. Okay. We, we all thought the Twins were good heading into the year. I'm not ready to completely throw out my, you know, uh, evaluation of the team based on what they've done to start the year. Uh, they are turning things around a bit. You know, they've won five of their past six games. Now, yep. the fact that I that only brought them to 20 and 29 on the right. year <laughs> is definitely a bit concerning. But um, this Twins offense should be a juggernaut when yep. healthy. I mean, we we all expected them to hit. And that was before Byron Buxton emerged as an MVP candidate. Right. You know, he should be back within the next couple of weeks. I think, you know, he's a, uh, it sounds like he's on the verge of starting a minor league assignment. Yep. Um, the big issue with them is their pitching. Right. But, but that's always been an issue with them. You know, yes. like it's Correct. been an issue for years. Yes. I, I think that, you know, especially bullpen pitching, it can be cyclical, you know, like you can get some improvement in that department. It's also the easiest area to address in the trade market. You know, we see a lot of relievers and stuff get moved um, every year before the deadline. So uh, I also just think it's going to be an easier division to win. Yeah, I do think the White Sox are, are very good, but, you know, like I feel better about their chances of catching them than I do the Angels' chances of catching the Astros, especially when you factor in that they don't have Mike Trout. I mean, that's really the bottom line, right? right. This team can't win with Mike Trout. How right. are they going to win without Mike Trout? Exactly. Yep, I agree. And what's amazing, too, about that AL West is that Oakland is in first with a minus 11 run differential. <laughs> The Astros are in second with a plus 55 run differential and somehow they're in second place. Like that is incredible to look at. And the Mariners who were in third has, have a minus 52 run differential. Like that division is just a mess. Yeah. What a mess <laughs> that division is. But it, honestly, like, you know, we all laugh about me talking about Seattle and all that. That division is wide open. It is completely wide open. Even the Rangers are only seven games out. Like at 22 and 29, like there, that's definitely a division that that's wide open, but I would agree with you. I think the twins are the better play there. Let's talk about this one. Cause I was surprised at the numbers for both sides here, which is the Red Sox and the Cubs. So obviously two different leagues here, but the Red Sox are four to one to win the AL East, despite the fact that they are second and only back by half a game. The AL East has tightened up immensely. There are four teams within five games of first place. Toronto's been on a hot streak. The Yankees finally starting to do something, although the injury bug is starting to bite there. Corey Kluber is going to be out a few months now. Obviously, Stanton's been having some issues, which is, you know, business as usual. Par for the course. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but the Red Sox at 30, to 20, at 30 and 20 are only 4-1 to one to win that division. And then a division that I thought was going to be wide open the entire year, and it's played out exactly like that. The Cubs in the NL Central, who are also a game, uh, half a game behind the Cardinals, but they're five to one to win that division. What's amazing about the NL Central is that that entire division is separated by eight and a half games. 
And spoiler alert, that does include the Pirates, who were supposed to win like six games this year. They've already tripled that number and are at 18. They are actually on pace to hit the over on their win total, which was, I think, 47 and a half it closed at. <laughs> so, which is, I mean, you know, betting the under on that is scary because it's such a low number, but they've been doing a lot better than I think people would expect. Which one do you like better there? Do you like the Red Sox and what's probably going to be a highly contested AL East? Or would you take the Cubs, who, quite frankly, should probably be winning that division, but all the teams are kind of playing the same? I will uh, gladly back the Cubs here. Okay. Um, I actually think this is a pretty good number for the Cubs. Uh, Fangraphs right now gives them a roughly 28% chance of winning the division. Okay. So getting five to one on that is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, they actually have the Brewers with the best chance of winning the division, despite the fact that they're three games back and in third place. Uh, my big concern with the Red Sox is just that we know the offense can hit, right? Like yeah. they've put up a bunch of runs this year. Uh, I worry that the pitching is due for some big time regression. I agree. You know, like uh, they're relying on on some starters that w- coming into the year, we thought maybe one of the worst rotations in baseball. Yep. And for the most part, they've held up. I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's supposed to be the ace, uh, has a five ERA, but everybody else has been, you know, better than expected. Yep. The bullpen has been pretty solid. Garrett Whit- Whitlock, 1.85 ERA over 24 right. innings. So. <laughs> I, I worry that that they are eventually due for some regression in that department. Plus that division is just a bear. Yeah. The, the Yankees, even though they haven't lived up to potential so far, they're just extremely talented. You know, they have a, a ton of, of bats, arms, whatever, whatever metric you're looking at, they're quite possibly the best team in the American league. And of course we cannot discount the Rays devil magic. They just hang around every single year. Yep. And uh, they're going to do it again. They'll be in it till the end. I don't know how. They don't seem to have a ton of good players. Right. But they make it work. Uh, quickly, one thing I just want to touch upon, too, is that in the over the NL West, uh, the Dodgers are still the heaviest favorites of um, aside from the White Sox to win the division at minus 250, despite the fact that they are in second place. So you can still get plus money on the Padres to win that division. Um, I think this is kind of playing out as expected. The Dodgers went through a pretty tough stretch for a little while where uh, they were even in third place. The Giants were ahead of them for a little while when the Dodgers were on kind of a weird stretch. But uh, do you think there's still any value in taking the Padres at plus 185, despite the fact that they are still first in the division? They do have a plus uh, 80 run differential, which is just a couple runs better than the Dodgers. But that offense is clicking. The rotation is clicking. Chris Paddock is starting to actually kind of come around a little bit. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago and actually pitching somewhat well, like that would be huge for their rotation. That's been a little bit of a disappointment with Blake Snell. Do you still think there's some value there, even though it's a low number to get them at plus money? I do. Um, I've been saying that the Dodgers, this version of the Dodgers might be the best baseball team I've ever seen constructed. Yeah. And that it would take like a rash of injuries to keep them from winning the division, you know, repeating as world series champs, or at least making it to the world series. But that's kind of what's happened, right? I mean, they have lost Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, They lost Dustin May. Like it's, it's a lot. They're dealing with a lot of injuries and 
I still think that they're the best team in baseball, but you're giving a, a good team like the Padres, uh, you know, plus odds and, and pretty significant plus odds. I think that they can win the division. Yeah. I mean, again, fan graphs gives them a 43% chance of winning the division right now. So the Dodgers I would or the Padres, the Padres, Wow. Okay. they still have the Dodgers favored. Okay. But if you're getting better than, you know, uh, like plus 150 on the Padres, that I to me represents a pretty good number. Yeah, no, I, I agree on that, on that too. And that should be such a fun race throughout the rest of the year to see those two, two teams kind of duke it out. It's funny that the Giants are still kind of hanging in there too. They actually have the exact same record as the Dodgers at 30 and 19, which is not something I would ever think of heading into the month of June that the Giants were not only hanging around, but the same record as the Dodgers. But Obviously, the sportsbook are giving them no chance to win that division, as they should. Even though they're in third in the same record as the Dodgers, they are 25 to 1 to win the division, <laughs> which is amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Um, let's talk about some of the futures that are still on the board, too, as well. You can obviously bet the, um, um, the league MVP. And one that I wanted to kind of point out specifically was the National League which is Ronald Acuna at plus 280. He's the favorite right now. And Fernando Tatis Jr., of course, um, has not, missed a bunch of games due to COVID and injury. We thought his, his season was over. I was panicking because you know I'm a huge Tatis investor, so I was panicking. And now he's back and he looks literally like his normal self. You can definitely tell with his swing that he's compensating for the shoulder because he doesn't, and this is coming from somebody who hasn't played baseball since high school, but he definitely doesn't finish his swing. You know what I mean? Like you definitely see him kind of hold up at the end, but he's still blasting the ball. I was going to say, whatever he's doing, I suggest he keeps doing it. Yeah. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you hit it with one hand, if you're still blasting it, then by all means, but that, uh, that MVP race has tightened up. At the beginning of the season, you could have got Tatis to win the MVP at eight to one, which I thought if there was ever a time to bet it, that was then to get eight to one. Because if he stayed healthy, there was no chance you were going to get anything better than eight to one. Now he's at four and a half to one. Where are you kind of landing on this one? Because we're talking about probably the two best players in baseball right now with Acuna and Tatis Jr. But you're still getting, in my opinion, some pretty favorable numbers on these guys. So, yeah. Where do you kind of land on that one? Uh, two incredible players. Uh, just love both watching both of these guys play baseball. Um, as good as Acuna has been, I think Tatis, if not for the injury, Tatis might be, you know, like a minus favorite right now. Right. You're right. You know, he's only played 33 games, but he's got 13 <laughs> homers and 11 steals. <laughs> Uh, he's got just better hitting numbers across the board outside of, you know, batting average, but I don't think that that really he's even over matters. 300. I think now. Oh yeah. You know what? Uh, is a little lower than I thought yeah. it would be. But anyway, the big difference to me, the thing that can split these two guys is that Tatis could is playing for what the team that could finish with the best record in baseball. Yep. You know, like that matters in yep. MVP voting if the Braves season continues to tank and I do think the Braves will turn things around, but you know, like that NL East is looking like, an uh, you know, the, the equivalent of the NFC East from uh, the football season, like uh, an over 500 uh, record might win that thing. 
So if you have the storyline of Tatis leading the Padres to the division title over the Dodgers. Yep. I think he'll win the MVP in that case, as long as he stays healthy. Yep. One long shot that I wanted to point out, and he's kind of really jumped up the board is Jacob DeGrom at 12 to one. At this point, it's like, where does it stop for him? Like, where does he start to regress? Because it doesn't look like anytime soon at all. Even with being on the sideline for about, what was it, two weeks or so? Like, yeah. he's still one of the top guys to win MVP. I mean, you know, that doesn't overly happen often with pitchers. But, you know, obviously with Tatis and Acuna in the same league, it's going to be tough to beat both of them. But if you want to talk about somebody who can be a long shot and have a very legitimate chance of winning, like, 12 to one for Jacob DeGrom. When do those numbers start to fall even lower? Because they could be coming. Yeah. I mean, truly, truly a remarkable season so far. Yeah. I mean, do I think that he finishes the year with a sub one ERA? (laughs) No, but sub two is certainly in play. Yeah. And if he's a sub two pitcher with roughly 15 strikeouts per nine inning, and let's not forget the guy is hitting 471. Yeah. The Mets might need to start suiting him up at third base or something. Like <laughs> he's he's basically Shohei Otani of the of the National League. And I'm only half I'm like half joking about that. Obviously, DeGrom's hitting numbers are gonna regress, but like the guy is just an athlete. He yeah. he legged out a hustle double the other day. Like yep. what pitcher does that? Right. So I, I mean, it's not unheard of for a pitcher to win the MVP award. I, I think Verlander did it a couple of years ago, right? Yep. Yep. So um, I, I don't hate that bet. I mean, you have to deal with the Mets and, you know, there's always the, 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 the stink that comes with placing your money on the Mets, who I think their, their medical staff is led by Dr. Doolittle at this point. <laughs> but as long as he stays healthy and continues to look like he's looked, I think he's going to be in this thing. Uh, real quick, I just want to hit on the American League too. Um, I, I just looking at some of the numbers here. Obviously, Mike Trout was the favorite coming into the season. Uh, he was minus one twenty, I want to say, when the season began. Obviously, with the injury, and he's going to be out. I think it's a couple months that they were saying that he's going to be Six out. Six to now. eight weeks. I okay, yep. So he has fallen all the way to eighteen to one. So, I mean, if there was ever a time to cash in on a potential Trout MVP season, you know, here's your opportunity here because you're never going to get that type of number on him. But his teammate, Shohei Otani, has switched to the favorite at plus 125, followed by Vlad Guerrero Jr. at plus 370. And then it's basically the rest of the field after that. Nobody has better odds than Jose Abreu, Judge, and Trout all at 18 to 1. I don't feel like this is a time to place a bet on the MVP on the either of the two favorites right now with Otani and Guerrero. Um, this is probably the worst number you're going to get for Vlad Guerrero. And I don't want to take away from anything that he's done this season, but this is obviously not the time to be betting that like you either should have done that at the beginning of the season, or you need to wait again. Like plus three seventy is not a good number to get him at Otani. I'm still kind of on the fence about two as well. And his hitting has been phenomenal. His pitching has been okay, I guess. Like, I I feel like just because he's a two-way player, his pitching is getting a lot more praise than it should be because if he was just a pitcher, 
you wouldn't be talking about this guy at all, you know? I mean, 2.37 ERA. No, no, no. 13.5 strikeouts for nine innings. No, I get it. No, I get it. But it's, he walks a lot of guys. His command is shaky. You know, he has a lot of struggles against lefties. Like for me, like I look at a couple, like some of those things and I say, something's probably going to give here at some point, you know? And that that's kind of what I was alluding to. Like, no, the numbers you gave, yes, of course. You know, they've been phenomenal, but there's a couple, there's some red flags there. I, I, I should have explained that a little bit. For better. sure. I, and I agree with you that Otani at plus 125 is not a good bet. No, it's a bad bet. Um, the time to grab him was earlier in the year. Right. Um, and again, he's going to have to overcome the same thing that Trout has had to overcome in a lot of years, which is the fact that the Angels stink. Right. <laughs> like if he finishes with with he's going to have to have like a special season to win the MVP award yep. on a team that finishes, you know, below 500. Yep. And so far he's on pace for that. But there are a lot of potential stumbling blocks over the next, you know, 120 games that he's going to have to play. Right. So I look at this board now and because Otani and Vlad are such like big favorites, I guess you could say. You're getting so many good numbers on guys that are should be in the conversation. Like Xander Bogart's at 20 to one. Great number. That is such a good number for somebody that is like crushing the ball. Yeah. Absolutely crushing the ball on a team that is that is performing over expectation. Like 20 to one is is too big. Like that, that I look at that and I go, that's that's almost a mistake that he's 20 to one. Like, how is he 20 to one and Aaron Judge is 18 to one? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, Judge's Judges had a sneaky good year too, but Bogarts, I, I agree. Like, Bogarts has been the best player on the team that has been like one of the best in baseball to start the year. Yep. So I love that number for Bogarts. One of the more underappreciated players in baseball. Can I guess? No, Xander Bogarts, I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to somebody else. <laughs> because of what I was going to say was Bo Bichette. Like him too. At 45 to 1. Yeah, I think it would be hard for him to leap Vladdy if a Blue Jay wins it. But yeah. again, I mean, we're talking a huge difference in price tag. Right. Exactly. That, yeah, exactly. Like 45 to 1 for Bo Bichette. Who's slashing 273, 18, 469, but he does have nine home runs, seven steals, 27 RBI. Like he keeps up that pace. He's definitely in the conversation. Yep. So getting him at 45 think, to one. Like you said, this is a good time to just throw a couple darts. Yeah. Um, there are there are some interesting guys for sure. Like Jose Ramirez has had a good year. I, I don't yep. know if I necessarily want to bet on a Cleveland guy to win the award because right. I think they might kind of fall by the wayside. But what about one of these Astros guys? You know, like Jordan at 30 to one or Bregman at 33 to one. Yep. Um, you know, like both of those guys could I could see them pushing Houston to a really strong second half of the season. Yep. Like I, I think there are some interesting stories that you could tell yourself with the fact that like Otani is such a big favorite right now that it's kind of creating a lot of value with some of these other players. Oh, no, absolutely. And that, that was actually, you, you kind of stole my next point there. Like take advantage of Otani being such a big favorite to get some better numbers on some of these other guys, because at the end of the year, you know, there's going to be a lot of buzz about Otani because he's a successful two-way player and nobody else in baseball does that. So that is the one Jacob up Brown. that Otani has on everybody else. But 
Can he maintain that for the entire season? Because we haven't been able to see that because of injuries. So is he going to be able to, you know, is he going to continue to be fragile or is he going to be making it through this entire season and playing at the caliber that he has been that's yet to be seen? But I'm certainly not going to find out at plus 125. I will certainly find out at a different (laughs) number as that goes down. Any parting thoughts before we wrap up this edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast from my guest? Um, no, I mean, thanks for having me on. I, I, it's been a good start to the baseball season. Lots yeah. of interesting stuff to monitor. Um, I think, you know, the first point we talked about is probably the biggest one, which is, will the offenses start scoring more runs at some point? Um, and that could have a drastic impact on everything this season. If there are more runs being scored, like maybe the cream starts to rise to the top a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but the way things stand right now, like you, you kind of alluded to, it's been an underdog season and yep. unless the scoring picks up, I think it's going to stay that way. All right. That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the unreasonable odds podcast. Make sure to follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Lamarca. It's as easy as you can get. doesn't take much to figure that out. Um, so make sure to follow him on Twitter. And then of course you can see all of his work over on the DraftKings Sportsbook, And of course on the action network, you're still um, for the action network. Fantasy Labs more than, uh, I mean, it's the same company, but the yeah. stuff actually appears on the Fantasy Labs website. So Fantasy Labs, go check them out over there too as well. For Matt LaMarca, I'm Steve Buchanan. We probably should have Julian Edwell back next week, but if he's back next week, I'll probably take the week off because that's how this year <laughs> has gone for this podcast. Until next week, we'll catch you then.